I'm very excited to be continuing this series on Samuel that we're looking at. Um, I will be speaking today on singing about the upside down kingdom. If that's not a phrase you've heard of before, don't worry, I'm going to go into it um, a little bit more. But it's really good to get some context of what we're reading, what we're talking about. So two weeks ago, Duncan kicked us off in this series, introduced us to this woman called Hannah, who was married to a man called Elkanah. Elkanah had another wife called Peninnah. Hannah wasn't able to conceive children, but Peninnah had multiple children. So there was this bit, bit of a, like a rivalry going on. When Duncan was talking about it, it made me think of like some soap opera, like it's kind of dram- dramatic or whatever. But it's not really like that because actually Hannah is a woman who loves the Lord. And Hannah was someone who would come before the Lord, bring her request to him, and would pray for um, her to be able to conceive a child. And I don't know how long she prayed throughout her life, but actually she prayed so much that at one point she went to the temple to pray and was praying and praying. And Eli, who came into the temple, thought she was drunk because she was praying so like intensely. And the type of prayers that she was praying was, Lord, if you give me a child, I will give him back to you. And that's exactly what happened. Nine months later, she gave birth to a child. And then Jebson continued last week on her actually dedicating this child to the Lord, giving this child to the Lord. Um, and now, now we're kind of at the place, where's Hannah's head at right now? What's going on? So I'm going to be reading um, Hannah's song today. Um, and she prays this, she sings and prays this song. And that's what we're going to be reading from and looking at today. So Samuel uh, 1 Samuel 2 verses 1 to 10 that we can get on the screen, please. My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honour. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven." The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for your truth. Father, I pray as I speak and as I unpack this passage, Lord, would you speak to us in the room? Would you string our hearts, Lord, along with what it is that you're wanting to say to us this morning? Amen. This song, this prayer is of someone who understands why God is worth everything. It's worship after having prayers miraculously answered, but it's also this coming to the Lord with everything Hannah has. I want to tell you today that God loves songs, and for me personally, that's good news because I'm a singer, so I'm like, oh, 
God delights when I sing to him. But I think also it speaks volumes for when we gather as a church and we sing these incredible songs that Manuela and the band led us into and how we use the very breath that he has given us to worship him collectively as his bride, as his body, as his church. And it says so much when our theology of what we're singing speaks into who God is, who he is, how mighty he is, and how he is above all. I think it's a beautiful thing that God has used song within the Bible. We know in the Old Testament that Moses sang before the Lord. We know David sang before the Lord. Solomon has a whole song book for him. But actually, I want to be really honest here. I think it's specifically powerful that God used women to sing songs for him at a time where women's voices were not valued. The, the whole culture that they were in whilst this Bible was kind of being written over the generations was a, a time where women's voices were not valued at all. And God said, no, when I write my scripture, my holy word, I want not just women to be a voice, but I want their song to speak my truth. Miriam is Moses' sister, and in the Old Testament, she actually led the Israelites into a song as they were leaving Egypt. Deborah is a woman who, when she was faced with this immense victory from the Lord, she sung a song to him. But someone who is actually very similar to Hannah was Mary, the mother of Jesus. She sung a song to the Lord whilst Jesus was in her womb in Luke 1:46. And I've just kind of got a slide here that kind of puts some of the similarities between their songs together. Both of them recognize God's holiness. That is something that they want to make very clear in their song when they're singing to him, that he is holy. Other things is that God is the provider, that he would give them food, that he would give them strength, that he would provide all that is needed. And also the fact that God cares about generations following him, faithfulness through the years, choosing to follow who he is. But Hannah's song is very different to Mary's song. Hannah's song was sung after a miracle of being able to conceive Samuel, but also in a very painful time as she wanted to honor the promise she made to the Lord. However many years, Hannah was seeking God to answer this prayer for her to conceive a child. There was all that time. And then for nine months, she had this baby in her womb and the excitement of, I'm finally pregnant. And all the things that come with that, I've never been pregnant, so I can't say it was an amazing time. But um, there's that. And then also, as we learned from Jebson's talk last week, for three years, she weaned this child. Basically, she made Samuel become independent because she knew the promise she had made to the Lord, which was that she was going to give him to the Lord to serve him for his whole life. So she spent maybe three or four years actually getting to hold Samuel, actually getting to to see all the quirks that little babies and little toddlers have. I imagine that it was probably a very beautiful time, but probably very painful for her to have to give Samuel to the Lord. But her obedience ultimately, we know in hindsight, led to fruitfulness because we know that Hannah had multiple children after she had Samuel. But just because she had these other miracle babies doesn't mean her giving Samuel to the Lord was any 
easier. And I think that is kind of the kingdom of God that we live in. It's actually, it doesn't really make sense to the rest of the world. It sometimes feels counterintuitive and it sometimes feels backwards. But I want us to hone in on the fact that God's kingdom doesn't make sense to our culture. And it's beautiful. So I've got three sections of what we can learn from this prayer. I'm going to look at the Lord's sovereignty, which is highlighted through this song that Hannah sings. I'm going to look at this upside down kingdom. If any of you are still scratching your head thinking what it is, don't worry, I'll explain it. And then we're going to look at his kingship as a result of his kingdom. So my first point, the Lord's sovereignty. This psalm this sorry not the psalm this song is so incredibly personal yet it doesn't talk about hannah at all hannah could have started singing about oh yes lord you you've made my rival peninnah like we're, we're now the same we both have children blah 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 no she just sings about god and you can tell it's from the depths of her heart she's fixing her eyes on the lord and on him alone she's recognized that without him she can do nothing because it was his power that gave her the ability to conceive child samuel to begin with he is above all he is who shall receive all honor she says there is none holy but the lord for there is none besides you there is no rock but our god we were singing that today there is no one like our god and there's no one like our god so much so that even the way that he does things is so vast for us to comprehend even his kingdom is so vast for us to comprehend god's kingdom in my second point is an upside down kingdom hannah says a few things that to our ears now you know if someone kind of prayed that or sung it right now we'd kind of be like questioning like oh is that right she says the baron has born seven but she who has many children is forlorn basically the woman who couldn't conceive children can now conceive a numerous amount of children but the woman who had loads of children can no longer conceive the lord kills and brings to life he brings down to sheol and raises up the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He lifts the needy from the ashes to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honour. He will guard the feet of the faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off into darkness. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you, it all feels backwards to our culture today. It feels like this is stuff that we wouldn't actually say we want this to happen. But I think it's because when we follow Jesus, his kingdom is beyond our comprehension. It doesn't make any sense. Preston Sprinkles says this quote, It's an upside down kingdom where leaders are servants neighbors and enemies are loved and poor widows give away half their money under the lordship of king jesus humility is exalted the first shall be last offenders are forgiven 70 times seven and ethnic outsiders kneel down to help half dead strangers lying in a ditch in, the, in that quote, we see some of the parables, some of the things that Jesus did, some of the things that we can acknowledge. Actually, this is the kingdom of God and it's upside down. Jesus came to bring God's kingdom here. He said, when the disciples ask him, Lord, teach us how to pray. He teaches them the Lord's prayers. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And Jesus says, um, as Preston uh, told us in this quote as well, 
The first will be last and the last will be first. I've always thought, what the heck does that mean? But I think, this is my thoughts, I think it means that actually in a world where everything lifts up those who are at the top, God says, I am with the lowly. In a world that strives for success, for wealth, for really good health, for all these things to tick off the list and be like, yeah, my life's sorted and my life's fine. God says, no, I am with the least of you. And religion as a whole, not Christianity, religion says that in order to enter heaven, you have to take off all these things as well. But actually, Jesus in Matthew 5, the greatest sermon ever to be told, he begins with the beatitude. He says, if you're poor in spirit, if you're mourning, if you're persecuted, if you long for justice, for righteousness, if you are humble, the kingdom is for you. If we're all going to religious standards, I wouldn't make it into heaven. I haven't ticked everything off the list. I'm going to make a wild statement and say that no one in this room would make it into heaven because it's just actually we can't comprehend this big list and tick everything off. But the good news is that Jesus says, forget about the list. He says, come to me, all who are weary and need rest and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus invites the broken into his arms. I read a book over the holidays called Misfits Welcome and I just want to tell you about a guy called Matthew Barnett who really encouraged me to understand what it looks like to to live for this upside down kingdom. As a 23 year old he moved to LA from a different state in America and he felt this prompt that God put on his heart to to be the hands and feet of Jesus in LA. So he was kind of walking around and found this neighborhood called Skid Row and on this neighborhood was just homelessness, prostitution, just you know an absolute dark place to be. And he just had this kind of thing on his heart that was like, God, you want me to be here? Okay, I'll do it. He got a food truck and he started driving food down to this area, to this neighborhood and giving out all of this food. But he still wasn't like, God, I feel like there's something more that you want me to do. And so he prayed and prayed and had a team around him. And for some miracle, they were able to purchase this $3.9 million unused old hospital and they were able to turn into a residency into a rehabilitation center and they called it the dream center since 1994 matthew has seen families who were homeless not be separated by the care system and get to live together within this building They've seen people be fed through their food bank. They've seen men and women who've had long-standing addictions become free. But most of all, they've seen many, many people come to know Jesus, come to know the love of Jesus, come to know the fact that he died on the cross for them. Many people in this world today would say, this is good news. This is a really good way to redeem people, you know, get them back up on their feet again, get them in the work system, get their life sorted and back on track. But I want to tell you now, this isn't just a good scheme to get people on their feet and get them back into work and make a good life for themselves. This is the core of the gospel because without Jesus, we're all stumbling in the dark. But with Jesus, we are in the light. Jesus came to bring a life to this world of lifelessness. He calls us to seek this and he calls us to share this with others. 
And it makes me think of what we do as a church or what people within our church do. And I think of Dom and Pat and Ken who head up their food banks in their areas. And it's so amazing. They're literally giving out food to those who need it. They're sharing the gospel in that environment. Then I think about Alan doing this night shelter and he's actually gone down to central London and giving out food to people. Or I think about Michelle, how she lives with vulnerable young adults who have seen homelessness in their life and they want to get their life back on track. Or actually Rashanti and others who work within care homes and work with the elderly. This is the gospel being shared to the vulnerable, to the least, to the lost. But actually these people groups that I've listed aren't the only ones that need this truth. We all need this truth. We all need a saviour. And whether you know it today or not, we actually are all broken and in need of this saviour whose name is Jesus. Did you know that Jesus wasn't who the Jews were expecting? In the Old Testament, there's prophecies upon prophecies of this saviour that's going to come, that's going to defeat the oppressors of the Jews, that's going to bring them into freedom and glory and all this stuff. And they're expecting this soldier on a horse with a sword who's going to completely like kill and destroy everyone who comes against them. And at the time that Jesus came, it was the Romans that were oppressing the Jews. So they're all like, yeah, Jesus, let's go fight. Come on, go on. And instead, they have a man. God has come down as a man and broke every expectation that they had. So much so that when he did a triumphal entry in Mark 11, he didn't come in on a horse. He came in on a donkey. Jesus came as a meek, compassionate, kind, gentle, loving, forgiving saviour and broke every expectation. He was the Messiah. I want to read this spoken word from a friend. Let me tell you about this king. Jesus, the king of kings, was born a pauper in a manger, nowhere to lie his head. King of grace brought into disgrace, king of peace brought into chaos, majesty brought into misery, our refuge became a refugee, the immortal who becomes mortal, the deliverer delivered unto death, the strong made weak, the judge of all is judged by all, the king who takes place on a cross, not a throne, the sanctified one is crucified, the Lord of all is the servant of all, but in his death brought life. His grief brings peace. His oppression frees us. He became unclean to purify us. His crimson blood makes us whiter than snow. His grace for our disgrace. Hope for the hopeless. Love for the unlovable. Blinded those who saw and gave sight to the blind. Healed the sick and left the healthy to die. Made the sinner righteous and left the righteous in their sins. Fills the needy and leaves the rich empty. Humbles the proud and exalts the humble. What a king. What a kingdom. A kingdom that's at hand, a kingdom that's near, a kingdom that is here. This is the upside down kingdom. So what does this mean for us? Well, if you're a Christian in the room, it means we come under his kingship. That's my third point. We come under his authority, his leadership. We live a life that reflects our Lord. We sit with the homeless. We sit with the lowly. We speak to those who society deems as outcast. We share his good news. 
But if you're sat here right now and you don't actually believe that you've ever given your life to Jesus, you don't actually think you've ever really thought about what it means to follow this Jesus, I want to tell you today that the King of Kings invites you to his table. If the words I've shared today have convicted you and made you think, oh, I want to I wanna share this good news and I had this particular people group on my heart. What about those people that I listed before you could speak to them? Or actually, I just want to pray for you to have this kind of wisdom of how you can be that person and share that light with others. But actually, if you think, I want to know Jesus, I've never, ever given my life to him before, then I would love to invite you to Alpha. We're doing Alpha this evening, 5.30 till 7 p.m. We're going to have food, we'll have discussion, we'll have conversation. But most importantly, it's a space for you to come and explore this freedom that I talk about, this truth that I talk about, this Jesus who is worth it all. I'm going to pray now, and if the band could come back up, I'm just going to pray for those in the room who need that kind of help, understanding how they can be the lights in their situations, but also how maybe there's a different people group that you're thinking of. Maybe it isn't the lowly. Maybe it's those at your workplace or those in your family or those in your circles that actually they would probably say, I've got everything covered. Well, I just want to pray for you that the Holy Spirit would lead you in those conversations. Yeah, God, we thank you so much for today, Lord. We thank you for your truth, for your wisdom, for your knowledge, for your goodness. Lord, we pray for those who are in need of your truth, not just those who society deems as outcasts, but every single person on this earth, Lord, who doesn't already know you, who doesn't already know that you have paid the price for our sin and have made us new again. Lord, I pray you would stir in our hearts again for us to, to share you more boldly and to know you more closely. Lord, I also pray for those in the room who have not yet made that decision to follow you, Father. I pray would you stir their hearts. We pray for Alpha. We pray that it would be a safe place for people to come and explore this truth that we speak of. And as we just um, respond in worship now, Lord, let your Holy Spirit come. In Jesus' name, amen.